0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Jimmy Palumbo Show. That's right. My name is Jimmy Palumbo here, show number 103. And I'm coming to you live from downtown Mawa, from my shitty kitchen studios, which we talked about. So many podcasters have been visiting my kitchen. They want to know exactly how I do it. They just want to see that I've already trademarked the name Shitty Kitchen Studios, and we're doing a wonderful job here, show 103, and of course. Behind the glass, my trusted, uh, used to be producer and
1: co-host. <laughs> used to be trusted, or used to be the producer. Well, you, you used to you're trusted. All right, you used so to be still producer. still trusted, but um, used <laughs> to be producers. Right, right, we're, we're making progress. I mean, I'm at least I'm trusted. Right. So that's the most important. It's your part. friend and mine, Chris Gucci from Chop Sports Media,
0: making his uh, appearance here on show number 103. Christopher, how you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. I just got back from a little uh, a little ski trip, snowboarding trip. So I'm banged up, but overall, I would feel I'm feel good about myself. I'm not dead, you know. That's a plus when you're going down a mountain. But yeah, fun fun times. I'm back to do go. it. Episode right, 103, so you bro. You, you Episode 103. How the hell have we done hundred and three episodes already? We've done hundred
0: and three of these. I'm blown away by this, and I. First of all, this is such an exciting show though, Chris. There's things going on here that you don't even you can't even fathom. Uh first of all, as you know, I grabbed my stack of baseball cards and I took one name off the top doing my prep, and something very unique happened. There was a football card stuck oh, in this sh- pack. I don't know why, and it is. One of my favorite players from years ago, not favorite, one of the guys I like, Brian Kelly, linebacker, known as the Crunch Bunch, the original linebacker when LT joined the team, uh, number 55, Brian Kelly. Whenever someone turns 55, I always say they're Brian Kelly now. Uh, listen, I learned some things. Number one, he played for the Giants 73 to 83, which means he played during the shit years of the Giants, Okay uh they didn't get good till he arrived and then they they finally made the playoffs then the strike year then bill Parcells took over and then they drafted gary reasons and brian kelly just retired okay at uh, at after 83 and the weird thing is i can't find anything about him he did one interview i saw on msg i don't know where he is but he was uh some interesting stuff um
1: i number think you're one, he started the record for guys, for the most shows in a row, you're going to say a guy that I've never heard of. Okay. I'm well, you before your I'm time, impressed. but
0: six people drove off the road. Uh, listen, he's 71 years old now, played from 73 to 83. Um, and he started every game from eight out of his 10 years in the league. He had 15 interceptions. That's not bad for a linebacker, right? 10 years? Not bad, bad at all. Um, and here's a funny thing. It's on the back of his card, and this is for Dave Sturcio another owner of chop sports. It says here, uh, Brian once worked for the Dallas Cowboys in their training camp, (laughs) probably late sixties. So that's another tidbit. Um, And that's it. My Brian Kelly linebacker, you know, 10 years, good players. Everyone considered him a solid player. When I first started going to the games and uh, that's all I got. You know, he played with Carson and Taylor and Van Pelt as a weak side linebacker.
1: All right, Chris, who do you got? So all right, I was gonna do things like first of all, I, I said I have my player and you were like, Oh, we're gonna do things a little bit different today, you're gonna to see. And that was not any different. So I I'm thrown by that. But I luckily Well it still wasn't it me.
0: wasn't a it wasn't a baseball player. It was player, not a baseball
1: player. player, so that's all right, fair fair point. Um fair enough, I did not I go always, with a football player because it. I didn't I didn't get the memo. That was the but I'm gonna go with Carney Lansford. Everybody remembers Carney ah, Lansford. I do I know remember. The reason why I remember Carney Lansford, he sticks out to me, is because he had the helmet. He was the first guy or the only guy I remember back, way back in the day that now, he had the thing that covered his face. He had the right, helmet. He was there. with the am I, uh, Brewers? The A's. The A's. He probably oh, played the with the Brewers, but he was definitely in, on the A's for a while. Carney yeah, I remember
0: Carney Lansford. Yeah, for sure. And he One had a unique – didn't he have a unique stance as well? He did. I remember he did, the ball. He also – he had like –
1: you know, one of the best baseball names of, of that era, Carney Lansford. Carney Lansford.
0: Yeah, like like a kid in high school his name is Carney Lansford. You know, he put 700, you know.
1: Yeah. Or maybe definitely. not as good as Johnny
0: Trino. But he, he probably had a – he was almost as good as me in softball. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Carney Lansford, Lansford, I appreciate that one. That's a good one. So we got Brian Kelly and Carney Lansford. Now, let's get right to it, Christopher. Now, as you well know, those of you scoring at home, some of my fan base – they were, everyone enjoyed the Patreon streak that I was on. I was just, I mean, bases loaded, you were walking me.
1: Joe Rogan you're, was you're shaking. Now, he, there's a new streak forming, and it's the hitless. It's games without a hit streak. Okay, okay. see, this is why when you start
0: to doubt Jimmy Palumbo, A.K. Johnny Trino. This is where you run into trouble. Like, this is why I'm better than you in all sports. Because you you would get sloppy. If you were a pitcher facing me, you would be like, oh, this old guy, he sucks. And then what happens is we got stuck at 24, Chris. And then hours after my podcast, just hours, I realized I still had another nephew. That's right. My nephew, Tommy Palumbo, comes in at number 25. And he and he's down at Virginia Tech. He's a senior, okay. So,
1: Big, so right now, I think the, the official score the the official scorer has not ruled this one a hit yet. It is okay, in question, we're yeah. waiting oh, for oh, this definitely. to come back. This could okay. be it's a. Like, least I definitely legged it.
0: I, listen, any least family yeah. me, It was a chopper, and I legged it. out. However, here is something I think. If you, I think you are going to respect my nephew from this one thing that he did. So I asked him, about well, who you want to be? You're number 25, right? And he's like, oh. He goes, well, he's the, at Virginia Tech. So he says, well, oh, Frank Beamer. And I said, no, Tom, you can't do that. You know, I said, it's got to be a player. And he goes, and this is it, Chris. You got to appreciate it. You, you you know who Frank Beamer is, right? Long-time yeah, coach Virginia him. Tech. He goes, Yeah, you know what he says? He goes, well, when he played for Virginia Tech, his number was 25. I was like, ah! Oh! Oh, come on. You got to respect that. Right.
1: Yeah. No, I, mean, I do. That, respect that, is, like, that I do is like, I do
0: respect a, it. I was like, I love it. So I have to go with that. I still don't know if it's hard. a
1: base hit or a, a reached on uh reached well, on listen, error, but listen, it's listen. Frank Beamer. Nonetheless, Technically, and I do respect that.
0: Technically I'm now dabbling. I'm getting to the college kids now as Ray Murphy Grimes checks in here on my social media. <laughs> Carney Lansford came up with the angels and may have won a batting title. Uh, First guy with the special helmet was Ellis Valentine. My boy, Ray, my, Ray Murphy. I know he has Murphy Grimes. Um, I love that. Thank you. And, of course, we got Stephen Bash checking in. But, yeah, so, uh, listen, I'm back, bro. Number 25. And then, and then, the most special thing. So, now, all of a sudden, the streak was on back on the schneid. And, all of a sudden, I get a little ding, ding, ding on my computer. And a guy named Tyson Hogan, out of no. I don't know who this guy is, just a fan of the show, a fan of Beer League. I even contacted him. I said, "Hey, uh, who? Uh, uh, what? What? You know, who the hell is this?" And he he was like, "No, no, no, Jimmy, blah blah blah. I'm just a fan of blah, blah blah." I was like, "Oh my god, totally getting involved." And then I asked him for his name, the player, and he went with El Duque,
1: and I was like, "This is the absolute." Uh uh El uh, my favorite. Double. He's my favorite Yankee pitcher of all time, El Duque. And, I am sure we mentioned him way back. El Duque. Are you kidding right. me? Yeah, he was show twenty. That was my guy. Yeah. Plus Love uh, me, we, El Duque. T- it
0: turns out uh um uh, he's 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 actually eighty seven years old now because he's or, his or age, somehow his age or would. somehow
1: he's still thirty one. We can't figure it out. We right. have no Nobody idea. Nobody knows
0: he, he's ageless. Ever,
1: he's like dude. Do you like? um there's other Cuban pitcher that I liked. He, he wasn't good, but I still liked him. I loved when the Yankees got Contreras. Remember Jose Contreras? Remember yeah, and he, yeah, he troubled. Though. Yeah, but if he was a if he was a DH and a first I know, I baseman, him you would have been all over it. You would have been. I like Pasquel.
0: Pasquel Perez was another favorite of mine. I love him. Oh, you know if, Oh
1: yeah.
0: If a guy has a flaw, I love him. All right, so Patreon. Listen, bottom line, and here we go. Alex Detzena. Mary Riccardi, Mike Demosi, Eileen Palumbo, otherwise known as Mom, Joe Palumbo, Rob Pastor, James Kanowitz, James Riccardi, John Henry Riccardi, Eric Palumbo, Mike Caprio, second-second baseman, Frank Palumbo, CFO, Daryl Clark down at LSU, Greg Casolino, Mike Shecky, Lawler, Dave Ben, Pat Vogemer, Martin Waltzak, Michael Dej, Alphonse from Beer League, Janine Machaud, absolute eyewear fame, Robin Atchane Barna, Greg Alperin, John Henry Palumbo, Bobby Palumbo, Tommy Palumbo, and my favorite one, because he's the last one, Tyson Hogan, and he is not on the lowest tier. So that means that's a double off the wall, bro. So I am back. Joe Rogan's people are very nervous. They smell it. Jimmy Palumbo's podcast is coming to a theater near you. I'm on my way. And hopefully, if I add enough of these up, I can pay my cable bill here at Shea. Um, All right. Without further ado, let's get to a couple things. But we have a really cool guest coming up in a few minutes. Uh, I I have no idea where the interview is going to go. It should be fun, as always. Uh, We got to talk. There's only one, there's really only one sports story going on in the world right now. It's the New York Knickerbockers, bro. I mean, first of all, I, I really watched them the last couple of games, and I came to a couple of conclusions. I still think they stink, but I love this team in a weird way. Number one, they won six in a row. The guy Hart hasn't lost since he's been there. They won eight out of ten, and I think the league isn't that good. Um, so I, I, I'm watching them play, and I'm like, all right, wait a minute. Now, the Knicks, they're going to have trouble, but this Boston Celtic team, when everyone's like, ooh, the Celtics, If you watch that game yesterday, you're like, "Ooh, the Knicks can go to the Eastern Conference Finals because the Celtics are just a very average team." If you ask me, they are most overrated. I I, I know they're going to be hard in a seven game series. They're tough at the Boston Garden, but I I just that's not like a dominant team. Like, what are you talking about? And then I looked at the Knicks stats. Jimmy,
1: you know, you know that Jason Tatum got ejected and Jalen Brown wasn't playing, right? uh, That's their uh, two best players. Two yeah, but he got ejected. in the league. Yeah, but he got ejected.
0: That guy got ejected. The game was over by then. Let me tell you something. Here's why. Listen, the Knicks are going nowhere, but they're fun to watch. It looks like I think they're going to either be – they're the fifth seed right now. They'll probably have a chance of catching Cleveland. Could be a fourth seed, whatever. But the bottom line is the Knicks are interesting in the playoffs because now you got like – Randall's a 25-point game, 10-rebound, 4 assists. You got Brunson's 23 points, 3-rebound, 6 assists. This guy hard comes in. Gives you a little life. He's a 10 point guy, eight rebounds, four assists. Then he got quickly, right? He's a 13 point guy, gives you four rebounds, three assists. I mean, you know, and then you got Barrett. Everybody forgets about Barrett. He could be the third option, and that he's 19 points a game, five rebounds. And the biggest thing is Mitchell Robinson in the center. He's a flawed player, but he's just a brutal, brutal rebounder and can pound it up against some of the better players in the league. So the Knicks in a playoff series, they don't, they, the one thing they're missing, everybody knows, they don't have the dagger guy, you know, six seconds to go before the uh, end of the half, you know, the, the 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 guy who just can just take it on his own and get the shot done. Like a Durant does, they don't have a guy like that, but really there's probably only seven guys, eight teams in the league that have that. And I just think the Knicks are playing well. They're in a groove and they got Hart and Brunson, the Villanova guys and I'm just digging my Scarlet, my uh Scarlet guys, my my New York Knickerbockers. They're they've been playing well. Can't take it yeah, away. From it's
1: them. all things they're pointing towards wherever they land uh, uh end up as the four or the five. They're going to end up playing Cleveland most likely. I don't think that I don't think any of this. The the Nets are on their way down. None of the teams below them I think are going to yeah. be playing well enough. Well, the Nets to- aren't the the Nets aren't the same team. No, of course. Well, that's what I'm getting out. at. I'm just try, trying to look at like how the, the Eastern Conference is jockeying out. The Knicks look like they're at least in a position to at least either be the four or the five because Cleveland's playing well, and they've been playing well all yeah, season. Yeah, they won
0: seven out of ten, too. That would be a
1: good series. That, it, all the writing is on the wall. It, before the season started, the Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks was the big conversation. It was Donovan Mitchell's going to the Knicks. Well, Donovan Mitchell is now on Cleveland, and it all worked out in Cleveland's favor in, in terms of that regard. So there's already like a budding little rivalry happening because of what happened yeah, in the be off a good, That's
0: a good first round. I would that's love to see round. that
1: series. And I hate to that's say it. I've been favoring Cleveland all year because I know a couple people I've sporadically bet on them, but a couple of my buddies, they've been tailing Cleveland all year long. They've been one of those teams that out of nowhere, they became really good. Um, right. I would pick Cleveland in that series just to be a hater. If I'm being honest, I get it.
0: I get it. But you got it. You got it. It's going to gonna be a good you one. You say though. that about Cleveland.
1: Got to say it about, say the Knicks. about Cleveland. I said it today. On, it I Knicks. said it today. i on one of my shows that um, I was wrong about the Knicks all year. I could keep on so acting died. like they're not going to be good. They're not going. But, you know, at the end of the day, the Knicks are probably going to be the four, four seed, really. Maybe right. the five, I don't but, think
0: they're, they're six games back of the three seed. That's not happening. All know. right. So and, my Knicks are Philly's fun to watch.
1: Too. Philly's playing good, too.
0: Listen, the Knicks are fun a lot. watch all my friends at Connecticut who can't get MSG on their cable. It sucks um, after years of not caring. And so the other thing is my Rutgers Scarlet Knights, what a crazy game Sunday. Uh, they had uh, three games left at Penn State, at Minnesota, and home against Northwestern. They're getting their ass kicked at Penn State. They're down by 19. And then Rutgers come storming back with their great defense. Uh, but here's the weird thing. I was playing pickleball during the entire game. I was able to watch the last minute of the game uh, on my phone in my car. Okay. And then I had it taped and everybody's calling me after the game. Oh my God, what a great comeback. Yeah. Rutgers. Great, 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 great. But they were watching it live. I went home. I said, let me watch it. You know, let me watch the DVR. I mean, let me DVR this. And all I saw was a horrific first half by the Knicks. And then to be quite honest with you, as much as I like to say, I like to give Knicks, the Knicks credit, the Penn State Nittany Lions are a really good, really good outside shooting team all year long. One of the best in the country. They didn't score a foul in the last nine minutes and 46 seconds. <laughs> and we only won by three. In other words, really what happened was Penn State didn't hit a shot in the last nine minutes, and that's how we won. Now, Rutgers plays good defense, they have probably five defensive team in the country statistically with all that stuff, and I get, I got to give them credit there. But you know what? You miss any any I'm trying to, any sport where you miss things during the last nine minutes of the game. So if you miss field goals, you miss interceptions, you miss completions. Yeah, it's you like miss- the
1: Super Bowl where you, they scored every single time they had the ball in the second half. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. Why so you, you lost. get
0: yeah. That's why you lost. So that's out. Um, but anyway, the Scarlet Knights, they're 18, 11, 10 and eight. I think they clinched a bid with that win. Uh, even if they lose the next two, which they could, you never know. And that's it. So it's all about right now, uh, the Knicks and the Scarlet Knights basketball's back in my life. Like it was a couple years ago. I'm wearing the Mr. Bubbles t-shirt for my nephew, Tommy, because when he was little, he got a huge kick out of this. I used to wear my Mr. Green Jean shirt and my, uh, uh, my juicy fruit shirt. <laughs> Uh, that my mother got from sending in box tops. So funny. And I wear that way every down to shore every year. The nephew's running around, always got a kick out of it. God bless America. But now we have a sponsor of my little, uh, oh, you know what I didn't do? Before we even get to that, we're going to have Adam on in about one minute. I forgot about Absolute Eyewear. That's right. Absolute Eyewear, 42 Main Street, Woodbridge, New Jersey, 732-326-3937. Chris was so ready to say eyes, didn't give it to him. Craig and Johnny and Michaud, their best op- optical place to go. Go down there. It's down by the train station. They got full service stuff. They got prescription eyewear, prescription sunglasses. They got safety glasses, sports glasses, contacts. They got for the kids. They have Ray Ban, Coach, Ralph Lauren, Jimmy Choo, Silhouette, Michael Cause, Vogue, Maui Jim, Costa Del Mar. And they like Charles Oakley and go down there. They got uh, discounts for seniors Mention the show. They'll give you a deal. They're open five days a week. They're
1: closed on Wednesdays. Why Chris softball on Wednesdays. They're closed on Sundays. Why Chris? That would be giants football on Sundays. Jimmy. There you go. All right. So Chris finally is getting it, getting really in a groove with finally 103 episodes deep. Now I
0: skipped absolute. Eyewear, so, um, uh, that part, so I had to get him back. And I also have to mention, my interview is sponsored by CornholeLevel.com. That's right. Go to CornholeLevel.com. they are nineteen I'm going to hold it up right here. Here it is. This thing hooks right on. You're moving around. Get it just right. The legal, perfect to and fro to get your... Because you know what, Chris? You're the kind of guy. You're half in the bag. At a bad barbecue. In Linden. And all of a sudden, you you realize that this poor guy, he has warm beer and warm potato salad. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, is my picture not clear? Sam Grasso is telling me I'm blurrier again. I don't understand. I don't know what I need to do. I look clear as a bell here. Um, um, anyway, I'm going to keep on doing the show because I don't care. Um, there's nothing I can do. Sam, I love you. You know, tell you what, if you give some Patreon, I'll be clear as a bell. <laughs> The bribe's going on. Anyway, uh, Chris, you're the kind of guy, you, you would go to your car and get one of these cornhole levelers and hook it on so the guy has the proper board. Go talk to cornholelevel.com, Nineteen ninety five, you get a absolute, uh, an absolute, I should give away free sunglasses with a pair of these or something. I am going to combine, since they dated in high school, both owners dated in high school, why can't we have a, every time you order one of these, you get like a I don't know, a free housebreaking wee pet or something. I don't know, a little combo. Anyway, which brings us, who's been sitting so very patiently here at Shea, brings us to our guest. Now, I stumbled upon this man uh, via his Facebook posts. Now, when I say stumble, I worked with him uh, about 30 years ago or 27 years ago. I'm not going to say how old we are. He was my um, agent commercially in New York and LA. He ran a business called Acme. I'm going to bring him right on the show. He's a funny guy in a stand-up. And here he is. Hang on. Here he is getting involved. That's right. That's right. Here he is. All right. Mr. Adam Liebling.
2: Is is, is the sports shit over? Oh, I I know.
0: I know. I knew. I I Listen, I talk about sports at the top of the show, and everybody (laughs) gives me shit for it. But you know what? Some people like it. Some people don't. I'm like the licorice of podcasts
2: it's fine it's fine it's fine it's just not my bag i i i deal with actors and comics you know and and no, uh, and man, i'm showbiz. So, I'm so proud to be involved in a in a in a segment that is sponsored by a product called cornhole anything because of course being from my generation and yours that has a completely different meaning to us and i, it, I, I agree
0: it.
2: Yes. i i'm with you
0: it's, <laughs> cornhole I mean, means it's just look there there it is right there All right. Well, I agree with you. Now, so let's give a little something here. Now, way back in the day, I went to a Screen Actors Guild sponsored event where you were meet the agents. And Mm. I got, of course, I got there late and everybody was signing up for these hotter agents, whatever. And I saw a couple names on Acme. I said, Acme, what is that from like Roadrunner? And I was like, wait a minute, how come no one signed up here? There you go. I'm like maybe they're like a shitty agency. I don't understand. And then it said at the top, must do a monologue.
2: Yeah, right.
0: And so I said, you know what? I got my monologue. I'll go in there and belt it out. And then I go in the room, and there's this unbelievably attractive woman in the room. I was like, hey, who's this hot broad? And not knowing that he was one of you, she was one of your ex wife. Who. Who also oh. at the time owned the company belted out this uh, this monologue. What was that?
2: I like I wouldn't have described her even when I was married as uh, as unbelievably attractive, but thank you for that. That's good. It, it makes me Oh feel come good.
0: on. She was a good looking <laughs> right. What are you talking about?
2: Well, she's number one know, out of three, so okay, we're good. There you Give go on. But
0: still, so I go in there, I belt it out. The next thing you know, I'm signed by ACME in New York. But then I started going to LA a lot. Yeah. And um I gotta ask you one question. Yes. As actors, you made us 100 years ago on the back of our resumes, use a certain emerald green paper on the back what, of our resume.
2: Classic linen, Augusta green. And it was a very specific reason we did this. Do, do you know the okay, reason why? Why? Well, First, it was the color of money. It was the same green as money. Right. <laughs> but back then, so before- why was I having that? Before the internet, when everyone, when all agencies had to submit hard copies of headshots and resumes and, and, and a casting director would get within a few hours of the, of, the, uh, of the release of the breakdown that would come out to ask for submissions, they would get um, tens of thousands of submissions. They get hundreds of manila envelopes full of pictures and they would separate them by roles, mom, dad, son, mom, dad, son, and have these large stacks, six feet tall. And all the resumes were white. And we decided to make them green. Uh, so that when we called to pitch and they said, look, we can't find the picture. We'll just we'll go through them and we'll let you know if we're interested. We'll go, no, no, no. Ours are the green ones. Go and pull those out and then we can talk. And so it worked. for the I, I learned this from an old lady who ran an agency. She's probably dead now. Her name is Lois Benson. She ran the Benson agency and she had astro bright yellow resumes, which were really obnoxious colored. But that's why she did it. And I thought, OK, I'm going to do that. But green money. And It worked out okay. really well, and everyone remembered it, but then it went digital and we, we now, lost. Listen. It. That's that's from the
0: point of view of management. But let me tell yeah. you what it's like to be a player in your Augusta Green world, yeah. okay? So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm signed by uh Acme, and now I have to go down to you couldn't, there was no staples back then. I had to go down the street, yeah, and buy a pound of paper, Green, and yeah. that. Yeah, the green, Augusta green paper, which means money. Now I know why. Because it cost a lot of money to buy <laughs> not- that. It was like $45 for the freaking oh, green paper. <laughs> so then I get, so then I end up, uh, uh, your wife and the, at the time, she ended up, I, I think you might have closed the New York office. Or I started doing L.A. And then I met you. And you were also an attractive young fella. And um, that's when I met Gwen Pepper over at Acme. <laughs> you were still bald back then. I think no. Um, oh no, probably. You not. were great. You were you were like your classic agency owner, a little cocky. Yeah, I was like this guy's a badass. But I was with Gwen Pepper, one of your uh, one of your high uh, agents there, and That's she was true. awesome. And you guys had a huge, really cool agency. So tell me a little bit about like you got into the agency business. I know you were a producer at first, and you tell me about getting into the talent agent business in the nineties.
2: Okay, here's the easy story. Um, I have my degree from UCLA Film School. I got out. I was. a I started in production, PA, production coordinator, produced some stuff. I did some feature films, some episodic magazine style television shows, hundreds of commercials. Loved it. But then I, yeah, you know, I was married to someone who was working at a talent agency, and she said, "Let's start our own place." So we just got licensed and had no idea what we were doing and started Acme in 93 with just the two of us. And we thought it was just going to be easy. Right. And just, we're going to handle a handful of people, whatever. And then uh, that was the month in June of 93, that triad artists, which was one of the biggest agencies in the world was bought by William Morris. It was one of those big mergers, billions of dollars changed hands and they let loose all these working actors who Lisa knew from working at uh, my ex-wife, Lisa knew from working at triad. So we, we, Filled our client roster with a lot of those people started doing very well. And then within a few years, we grew to 18 agents in LA and opened a New York office uh, in 96. And we had uh, six agents there, a huge support staff and it was very productive. Seven divisions and uh, theatrical and literary and yeah, everything voiceover. Your, your
0: children, your children's division was huge too.
2: Great. I remember that and people on, we put, we did so well with so many people. And like I put Seth Meyers on, on Saturday night live, Gwen and I, Seth Meyers on Saturday Night Live, but then two weeks after his first episode aired, he was stolen by a big agency. You know, we we booked Gabriel Iglesias on a, on a series when he was a kid, um, and uh, and then he we ended up having to release him because he was fired from a show. Long story, but it was a you know all of those elements of of of, uh, of success followed by sadness or stress or guilt for not getting certain people that we really believed in their big shots. You know, that that was a lot of stress. So after 16 years and a divorce, and a recession in 2008. I sold the agency, uh, seven divisions. I sold to five different agencies. It was a big deal. And then I I was thinking about what to do next and was recruited by a software company, a casting software company that you know, Casting Networks. It was known in LA as LA Casting. It's an international company. But it's- uh, I can't
0: believe you work for them. I use that shit all the time.
2: We all did. And- uh... And uh, because I knew it really well from the agency side, they brought me on. I learned the software industry. It was really good fun for about six, seven years. And then um, they sold the, the business to a, a much bigger conglomerate of, of, of companies. And uh, and then I was recruited by Gary Marsh, who runs Breakdown Services Actors Access. That's the primary resource for casting TV and film in, yeah. in North America. And I was head of business development for a few years. And I realized during those years that I was really bored. Software was boring to me because I was involved in a much faster paced creative industry so during those years I started going back to the comedy clubs which I've been going to for 40 years to watch stand up I love stand up I love you know I, you know it you know how how we fall in love with this stuff and uh and I started to You do definitely stand-up. had a you definitely and, had attention uh,
0: for I remember your clients when I would go to the office some of your clients uh, uh were definitely uh that were my age at the time we're all kind of like funny ball breaking yeah.
2: guys. And, and yeah. Craig Shoemaker. I had uh, Ahmed Ahmed. Yeah. I had, I had tons of clients back then for stand-ups and I would love to go to the clubs and see them. I even represented at one point, uh, Mark Lonow, who was Bud Friedman's partner in the Improvs back then. And so I would get in there all the time and, and, uh, and watch shows. But, uh, so I started doing it myself, you know, during those years. And then the pandemic happened. I left software. I, Stopped doing stand up because I didn't like the Zoom oh, stand up stuff. More, it didn't give me any satisfaction. It's, but then I got involved right now with, which, which I'm doing right now, with, with a group of these people that they're agents from a larger agency that broke off during the pandemic that wanted to start their own place. They asked me to join them. They said, What do you want to do? And I said, The only thing I would be willing to do is the small niche of I want to represent stand ups and I just want to do the commercial side of the business because that was the least stressful. Actors, don't dream of being in a Charmin commercial as a commercial actor. They dream of making extra money as a I commercial do, Yeah
0: though.
2: <laughs> and I'm making them for money. And the the, the the ability to be improvisational, your ability to be funny, your ability to this piece of copy a million different ways, that's valuable to commercial casting directors. So I got like 160, 170 clients. There, most of them are stand-ups. Um, I don't submit them for comedy. I submit them for commercials. And I do this all, you know, every day. That's all I do. Uh, I'm I'm taking a break to do this. It's fun. I love, and you know, yesterday. I
0: just, wait a minute though. I just saw on CNN, CNN just came across the scroll at the bottom. It says that uh, yesterday, Adam had 170 clients and now he has 171 Oh, yeah. As Jimmy Palumbo has now entered a handshake agreement with modern artists, am I getting that right? This is the name uh, of the company. for LA
2: gigs. Love it. I, yeah, I, I'm, we're going to have a good time after this. After this, the Zoom, after this live, I'll, I'll send you the, the, the onboarding thing. We'll do it. It'll be fun. It's it's uh, It'll be fun. Uh, and, and part of one of the things I love doing uh, to, to help develop my clients and to, to make the relationship with me and the casting community better is I produce, and I told you yesterday, I produce shows monthly. I, I, I was doing it for a year or so at Flappers in Burbank. Now I'm doing it at the Hollywood Improv on Elrose. And I produce shows once a month. I put eight, of, eight seven or eight of my clients on the lineup and I host it. So I get my 10 minutes of material, you know, on stage every month. And I, I'm, I'm very happy you know, to do that. You and get your rocks okay. off that way. It's great. Passing directors, food and beverage and tickets. And uh, and I, I got a videographer and a photographer. And then we give all the material to the, to the clients without having them pay a, a dime. And they get paid by the club. The club pays them 10 bucks, 10 minutes set, 10 bucks. That's what the club does. It's, it's so, this is a dream for me because I know you've performed at big places around the country, but I've, I've been dreaming of this thing at the improv for 40 years. 40 years ago, I drove up from Long Beach where I lived to the improv at 18 years old to, to watch live comedy for the first time. And I was turned away at the door because it's 18 is too young. You have to be 21. Ah, I had to wait three whole, a weeks until i got my fake id in the mail and i used my special id to come and start watching comedy and i think i told you this yesterday that my uh 40 years later when i first got on stage there my 18 year old daughter used her special id to uh, come watch her dad do uh, do a set and you're <laughs> yeah. and now you and your daughter
0: is the, uh, uh working her way up the casting i was googling you and um and I was like, uh, you know, uh, this—the uh, family is in. You guys are
2: full showbiz. That's wonderful. Well, you know, uh, yeah, my my second wife, casting director, on the board of 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 governors at the uh, the TV Academy. She was on the board of, of directors at the at the casting side of America. My first wife is a literary manager now. She doesn't, she doesn't run an agency. She she manages literary clients. Does very well. My uh, my current wife's a doctor. So, uh, but. You know, she's a doctor. Uh, You know uh, what?
0: I I love your timing. So you marry showbiz women and then you get older. And what happens when you get older? You get sick. You need to have someone right there. You need a doctor.
2: But the the, the fun part about it is, I met her while I was teaching. I teach at UCLA, I've been teaching there for 29 years, a business class for actors. And uh, she took the class. So she's an actress. So that's, but that's. I'm gonna
0: get. Listen, I'm gonna get nervous if, like, ten years from now, you end up marrying uh, someone who owns a funeral home. I'll get nervous about that.
2: You know what yeah,
0: I, I, I I, I, that would be sad to me because that, be, no, uh oh.
2: No, probably someone who owns one of those uh, cremate and, and distribute at sea the ashes places. That's, that's that's what yes. I want. Get rid of me right. the ocean. I don't well, need. Well, I got to- a,
0: a couple of things I want to really ask. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Number one, UCLA is going to be in the Big Ten in, uh, in two years. Not that you care. Um, I, I got to ask you this: What you, you're you're on the ground? You're on you're on the ground of comedy in LA. Uh, I want to ask you a: What your thoughts on the state of stand-up comedy in LA now,
2: and maybe the changeover
0: in the last ten years? I want I know you're you're
2: you're fully in it, so I want to hear it. Fully in it. Oh my gosh! Uh, in the last ten years. It has a huge sea change because the the Internet, uh, social media, the the ease of connecting to tens of thousands of people in your general area uh, uh, that could potentially come to a comedy show has allowed bars and restaurants uh, and even the smaller clubs to fill a room for a night. So there's so and there's a lot of stand up comedy schools and classes, and both online and in person classes, and a lot of the clubs sponsor them and a lot of other independent teachers teach at their homes and or at the clubs and they do showcases at the clubs when they're done with the shows. There's a lot more stand-ups now than there there was ten years ago and uh, and a hundred times more than there was twenty five years ago. Uh you know this. And it's uh right. and it's for me, I go out every single night. I go out uh I'm in Los Angeles, so the the three main clubs in the valley I go to are uh, Flappers, Ha Ha, and Comedy Chateau, which started during the pandemic, and then in the city, it's it's the uh, it's the Laugh Factory, um, the the Comedy Store, of course, and the Improv, and then now the, the 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 Hermosa Beach Comedy and Magic Club has reopened, and the Ice House in Pasadena has reopened. These are the main clubs in that area, yeah. and then you go further south, you get the Comedy Store in Long Beach and the Stand Up in Bellflower. It's a great club. These are great clubs, and I go there. Yeah. Is
0: the improv of Down by Long Beach still open? That was, it was a big club back
2: in the day there. No, Not a fact no in Long Beach that I know of, but there's a lot of bar shows at in right. all of the city. I mean, any given night there could be like 10 shows that I have a choose to choose from. I like going right. to the clubs because the, it's more hit than miss when I'm seeing comics at the clubs. Um but I will go to bar shows. I will go like last night, oh my god, last night I went to the Bourbon Room in Hollywood. I had never been there before. Um everyone was a headliner. I mean, from Tiffany Haddish and Patton Oswald and 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 uh, you know, and they were they were not even the most famous people on the show. And Nikki Glazer, I mean, everyone was was a, was a headliner, um, but then you go to another type of uh, uh, show just down the street, and they're all middlers or featured players, and they're doing their seven minutes or you know five to ten minutes, and it's sometimes it's excruciating, and I and I have to sit you know through ten people to right. find one that I go, oh, you make me laugh. The others need work. And then I go to the open mics at places like the Fourth Wall, or even the 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 uh, the, the the you know the the three minute open mic sets that they do at the um, at the store and at the Improv Lab Works that kind of thing, and it's 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 hit and miss, but mostly miss. People are trying; they're really trying hard, you know. It, it's the the industry is big in LA, but there's no money for any stand up to make in Los Angeles really, until you're right. you you're really good and leave LA to go on tour
0: are well, here listen,
2: to see the and then you go on to her that's it the
0: the uh it's any city i mean you know listen yeah. there's to me uh, a headliner you know i'm i headline but when my name's up on the marquee it's not like you know it sells out in 5 seconds i yeah. there's there's headliners where you know your name's up on the like even someone like a, a patton Oswald, who's a headliner if his name is on a marquee at a at a theater in new jersey he'll it, sell tickets but, like, it's not like, you know, there's – I feel like there's only 30 comics that when their name's up there, people go, ooh, you know who's yeah. over at the blah, blah, blah? And everybody else is just awesome, awesome. Uh, yep. I know Patton personally years yep. ago. I met him with yep. Mad TV Days. And – and but, like, nobody cares. It's a different – the venue itself has to sell the tickets. Now, right. social media helps.
2: Like, like, uh, flappers, you know, you have like Kevin Hart came to flappers for a couple of nights, did like, uh, uh, two shows a night for a couple of nights. Um, the, he was the only one performing at the club. He got a door deal. Everything from the door goes to him. They, he set the ticket price high and every seat was, was, was sold. And there's no special, no passes. No, no one got a comp to that show. Right. And it's, and they didn't, all they had to do is put out an email and Kevin's people, poof, poof, and every seat was sold in five minutes. Um, and right. he would do, the- he, he also
0: probably thing. has 80 million followers
2: every, yeah, millions, every club, he did every club in LA and did the same thing because he wanted to, cause if you, if you look closer to flappers, you go to flappers, you look closer to the improv or the comedy chateau or the comedy store right. and he just in and did his thing. And, uh, he's at a different level, but then there's other people like I, these are the most amazing comics. I'll, I'll watch their shit on social media and social media has become a thing. Right. You know, it's like you right. can make your you can make some money on social media, do your own specials, distribute them yourself like Louis C.K. does and and make money without having to have a giant corporate overlord uh, taking 90 percent of your of the funds. Well, and and, that's, know, and yeah.
0: Oof. that's why we're, you know, well, the social media, we, we, you know, initially we're releasing this beer league two stuff. Uh, on social media, hopefully at the end of the end of march um and we're hope we're seeing if we can get some kind of buzz and get it going. Uh, so I totally get that end of it, but let me ask you this what um uh, how is the commercial business in Los Angeles right
2: now God. now this is it's another big fucking change uh, the, you know in in two thousand w- we may have been working together in two thousand, but there was a six month strike. A Screen Actors Guild strike against the advertising industry lasted six months. It was horrible. And at that point, 95, 98% of all commercials were done union in Los Angeles. Um, And it was lucrative and residuals kept flowing. And it was just even during that six-month strike, our agencies kept making tons of money because all the commercials kept airing that had previously been shot. Right. Um, But for the 20 years since then, it has gone steadily down. And now it's like 80% non-union which doesn't involve a lot of residuals or any residuals. It just involves, a, a, you, you know, but, lump sum. Money. Th- nothing. There, is
0: another, there is another angle to that, um, the non-union stuff. Number one, yeah. as a guy who's uh, got a pension with SAG and, and health insurance and so on and so forth, um, the, the, when you have a good agent like an Adam Lieblad, but a lot of these non-union commercial actors, you know, they're doing these spots, and I'm telling you, they're getting 500 bucks, and then it's bye-bye.
2: Yeah, but now,
0: now the the better ones, though, friends of mine who do non union commercials, they've learned to negotiate a little bit better. They're getting more. They're getting this much money for six months, and it's kind of they're doing well. But probably a bulk of the actors are getting a little bit ripped off uh, by
2: billion dollar agencies. It's, it's not good because number one, it's, you know, okay, 500 is the average that you're going to get paid or the lowest you'll get paid for a non-union right. spot that an agent handles. And then usage for a year, like 1,500, 2,500, 3,000 for a year's usage. But then you have to imagine your agent, if you have one, takes 20% of that, okay? And you get the whole thing. It's not paid through salary. You get the whole thing in a 1099. You get the whole flat fee and you got to save 30% or 40% of it for taxes, so you don't get that much money, and your your tax burden in April fifth, April fifteenth, is much more than you thought it was right. going to be. So it's kind of it you kind of get screwed. Now, what what's what the deal uh, with so,
0: agencies? They used to charge ten percent. Now it's twenty.
2: No, all union stuffs only ten. Right. Non union uh, for print, and here's here's where it came from. You used to be uh, uh, occasionally, like our agency Acme would 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 book uh, a non union job, you know, once in a blue moon. And we would say, oh, we'll only take 10%. Or they're giving us an agency fee of 20% on the non-union stuff. We'll just take that and you take all the talent fees. But print was always, the modeling industry for over like 100 years has been 20% commission on the talent fee and they would charge the buyer 20% for an agency fee, 20% on top. So if it was a $1,000 fee for the F talent and we would bill 1,000 plus 20%, the check comes in for $1,200, we take the 200 off the top and then 200 it was just 20% commission off of the talent fee. The, the model would get 800 and the agency gets 400. It's about a third. Wow. Uh, people were like, oh, it. it's illegal. But it's it was standard business practice for 100 years and it's legal. Um, and when when all the commercials started to go non-union, the, the talent agencies said, we're doing it this way. So I, I'd say maybe 90, 95% of all talent agencies in Los Angeles will commission a non-union commercial 20% agency fee. They'll charge to the buyer. And they'll take twenty percent commission from the wow. actor, well, and a, it is that's I, for years. i paid, happened. you know, I, I paid
0: money. a ten percent agent, ten percent manager, depending on the gig. But listen, I've always said, listen, only- I've always said, number one, it's a write off, and that's a cost of doing business. You know, uh, when yeah. you when you when you go buy a car, the sales rep gets a cut. You know, you know, it's like life when you, you know, when you buy drugs. I mean, when you gamble, you, you somebody gets a cut, whether it's the state. Uh, Somebody said you got to pay the VIG, as they say. And uh, But some the, what, what, the, the thing that bothers me is you, you've been in the business a while. You have a reputation. Um, but, uh, no, well, you you know what you're doing. There's a lot of unscrupulous agents slash managers who these young kids come off the boat from uh, to L.A. and New York, and they take 20%. And what they do is it's almost lottery tickets. They don't really do anything for them. They talk a good game. They'll show up at a showcase. But they don't submit. They don't nurture. They don't mentor. Uh, my my biggest thing is I've always uh, hated about agents. I, I was never a scooch, but sometimes i will be like, hey, I got these new headshots, which I got to get. I'm getting new ones uh, next month. What what do you think? And some agents would be like, I don't have time for that. Go to your manager. I'm like, well, hang on a second. You're the one pointing and clicking my little thumbnail. Just I, I'm going to send you five. I'm not sending you 2,000 of them. Can you just give me an idea of what, you know, and I, it used to make me nuts. And I know everybody's you got a million clients and uh, stuff like that. But I always was like, it's always the ones that, hey, Jimmy, I really like number seven, nine, and 15. Uh, give me some of those. That's yeah,
2: fine. I always understand anyone who, who doesn't invest themselves as an agent uh, in making that decision on behalf of the client. Because you're right. Like that's it, the first excuse that an agent makes when an actor says, why, am I, why haven't I gotten out for the last right. few weeks? We say, it's your pictures. Right. Well, you didn't help me pick. I had two thousand. You didn't pick the right, right. one. Here's the two thousand. Yeah, you know, there's a so lot. I, you know, I go. Yeah,
0: I get that. I
2: easier uh, to pick. you used to get like remember 24, 48 exposures, and I get the uh, loop. Oh, what a pain loop. in the
0: ass! Now you got a whole easier way to do it.
2: Because the digital, these guys with the digital, it's like, it is thousands of them, and like this group of three hundred are identical except for maybe a minuscule different eye open or right. close or lip thing. It's like, fuck, pick one of these. And then, and you know, like, send me 10. i I'll, I'll pick.
0: You know what used to burn my ass too? Agents and managers. And I have a, a buddy of mine's a, a big time agent over at APA. A good friend of mine. But I, I would call my agency, right? Not all the time. About something specific. And I wouldn't get a call back. Now, this is before the days of email, of course. And I've sent some emails. And I got back and I called up my buddy, Uh, Jack. And I say, Jack, when a client calls you, I know you get a million calls a day with all kinds of bullshit, but when a client calls you, like he goes, Oh, Jimmy, if a client calls me, I get back to them. uh, Sometimes I can't get right back to them. If not by the end of business day, first thing in the morning, I mean, even that is rare you got to get back to your clients. And I used to drive me nuts, but now um, some actors abuse it and they call their agents every three days and that must be annoying too. Yeah,
2: I tell my client. Well, in the age of the digital stuff now, I tell my clients: here's the three ways to reach me. Text, respond very quick. Email me second. I'll respond with a more detailed response. Call me if I'm if I'm not busy. I'll answer you, um, but I'll more likely check to see if you've texted me or emailed me first. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Taking a call out of my day takes like this podcast takes an hour out of my day and I have to, it's going to take me a long time to catch <laughs>
0: but, it. but you're happy to do it
2: i love i'm an egocentric individual i love I'm, an, I'm a whore for attention and you said I hey come to my podcast are good. seven whole people are going to tune in live i got i gotta <laughs> only care about sports and shit you know i don't you know so that's
0: Listen, this is going to put your – listen, your agency now is going to be – it's going to be like CAA, William Morris, and, 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 and your agency because of the huge signing of Mr. Jimmy, Bubbles, Jimmy Palumbo. Palumbo.
2: The amazing, listen, you Jimmy,
0: know what? what? I think your strategy for signing clients is great. You sign a guy, and then 20 years later, you resign him. I think
2: that's a great strategy. Yeah. You know, in June – I'm going to try to do it in June of this year. This would be – I think it's this year – 93 yeah 2023 this will be 30 years uh since we opened acme talent so i'm gonna try wow. and i talked about it and some other people and we're like yeah let's uh you know get lisa to come in she lives out of state but i'll get her to come into town for june and we'll do like a big thing so if you're planning on any trips during oh, the summer I, if
0: you let me to- know i will try to get out to la for that that would be a riot
2: fun we we take over a place and we do, you know, we'd have music and stand up and we would food and, 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 plus uh, I get Gu- to see Gwen pepper. Yeah. She'd be there. <laughs> she's married. She's happy. Um, where's, where's Gwen pepper now? She's at an agency called, um, defining artist agency. Uh, it's a, ter- it's a terrific agency. Her and DD Dee Dee binder run it together. And, uh, I, I got to call see. her up cause I can get LA. Can I get it? She does TV and film, right? She's very good at it. Yes. Very Can successful. I, oh, she
0: was great for me. Can I still, I got to call her up and say, Hey, I got a great uh, New York agent. I love them. Henderson yeah. Hogan. They're great. But you know what? It's always good to have an LA rep too. What the hell?
2: Hey, if she remembers, she'll remember you. And Oh, she'll she, remember you know, Jimmy Palumbo. Come on. But uh, you know, <laughs> to be, to be even clearer, and I'm not going to speak for her, but a lot of agents that I used to work with that are theatrical agents still, they focus on the younger, of course. Because that's where the money is. Sure. So if, if you're going to have to, you know, prioritize. How many people can we handle? Uh, which ones are going to make us the most money? You know, look. If you're a star and you're in your 50s, great, listen, take you. I, developmental.
0: Listen, so, if you're, uh, I'm a 57 year old white male, no. uh, so I'm up against it. I understand that. Uh, you, the younger kids, you watch TV. There's younger people on. Uh, there's all kinds of different colors of the rainbow on. I get it. Um, but you know what? You still need a veteran to come out of the bullpen in the eighth inning, bro. So I'm going to, you know, they still have old, those old grandpa roles sitting on the porch with the dog. And why not me? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. You can reach so, out to her. I love Gwen. She's terrific. I'm definitely going to
0: reach out to her. Buster chop. She was really sweet. You guys are always great to me. Uh, so with a bunch of people over there, um, but listen, man, I really I love what you're doing. You're doing kind of this niche of stand-up and commercial editions. I think it's a riot, and you're involved heavily in the stand-up world. So I can't wait to get back out to L.A. and pick your brain. And you're yeah. gonna try to tell me what clubs to go to to get up on stage.
2: What's up at the Improv? You come in the to- first Sunday of every month is when I got my improv slot uh, from Rita, who books the shows there. So if you if you're coming out here and you plan a time, if it's early in the month, let me know in advance, and I'll I'll we'll. we'll- I
0: totally am going to do that. And, and now it's it's Lee blind, right? Not lie blind. What's like the, pro- the by the way, most difficult name? If yeah. someone's drunk and tries to spell your name, they have no shot.
2: Well, here's how I think it. It's lead the blind, so that's how you. This is how it sounds, but it's it's <laughs> I, I before, that. it's I before E except after Lieb. That's how it works. E B L E I N. Wow. I call anyway. it
0: land of the land of the vowels. It's such a that good is. Irish Catholic last name. Big vowel. Um, and, uh, all right. Well, listen, Adam, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, we're going to be talking afterwards. I'll give you a quick shout. And uh, I appreciate you coming on. I love what you're doing. I will see you soon in LA and uh, God bless America.
2: All right. See you soon. You got Bye-bye.
0: it. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Love you. All right. Adam Liebline getting involved, uh, uh, coming on the show. Uh, we, we're going to be working together a little bit. Some, LA commercials that come through. Um, and I realize I'm I'm an old veteran, but you know what? You need someone to give you innings on getaway day. You know what I mean? You have that Wednesday yeah, game, yeah. you're traveling on Thursday, you don't want to blow your bullpen, big series of Fenway on Friday, and you're down six one in the fourth, and the manager comes down and says, Jimmy, I need you to go five. I need you to get us through this. You know, then they chip away. Next thing you know, it's six five in the eighth, and I'm still, you know, firing my eighty-one mile an hour fastball. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, good agency, always was fair to me, so I always appreciate that. Thank you, Adam. Um, all right, well, of course, as I'm in showbiz, I'm chasing miracles. But now, a lot of actors chase miracles, Chris. But I go to ChasingMiracles.com. That's right. They have these unbelievable hydration water packs. Go to ChasingMiracles.com. You got to talk to Tommy and Donna. They will walk you through this thing. There's little packets you put in water. You get trace minerals. Or increased strength, stamina, overall good health for the body. It hydrates your body. There's alka- alkaline levels. It's really cool stuff. Um, and the packets could be used, as you were telling me, uh, on plants. You could put it in your garden. Really, really cool stuff. Um, go check it out, uh, and you're going to love it. Chasingmiracles.com. Uh, what else did I say? It's a really cool thing to put in your water and make, make you feel better about yourself. Uh, go, and Tommy and Donna are cool, so go talk to them. It's awesome. Uh so that's that as I rattle through. All right. Uh briefly, uh, it was nice to see the Yankees spring training. Um uh this kid Volpe smacking the ball around a little bit. I don't think he's gonna quite make the starting team, but you never know. Um why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Uh, you know what I mean, like what are we um, talking about? Of course, you know, the season doesn't start until Stanton starts hitting bombs. Um, I'm really hoping. I know it's not gonna happen. I know he's gonna get hurt again. But I will love my, the the funniest thing in the world for me as a Stanton fan and everybody knows I'm a huge Giancarlo fan. Uh can you imagine if, if he doesn't get hurt? It's like imagine if he hits like more home runs than Judge or something crazy like that. How funny but would I that be? I can I I mean I I know I can't imagine it either but that'd be Not fun. Ever. We that we would have fun with that. Giancarlo at the bargain basement price of 25 million a year. Um anyway, Yankees spring training, listen. Spring training is so stupid. They got the new bases now. How do you feel about the new rules? I actually like the pitch count because I thought at first I was like, I hated it. And then I said, wait a minute, every sport except for baseball really has changed a little bit about their game and uh, basketball with shot clocks, little things. I said, you know what? These games do go on too long, especially with the commercial breaks. I don't know if they got the number right, how many seconds and all that and how they're going to call it. But if it's, if the umpires call it fair and they call it right and the minor leaguers have been doing it for a while, I think it moves the game along. And if you watch those old, I think there was a, I read somewhere last year, maybe Dave or you posted, it was like a world series game. That was like an hour and 35 minutes, like uh, something crazy. Cause they, they, they took the field. The other team took the field and the pitcher started chucking. There was no stepping out of the box. I'm hoping it speeds up the game. I think it's a good thing. I think the bases look kind of silly. They look like these huge mats out there.
1: Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I don't mind the bases <clears throat> and I'm all for the the progressive change. The problem that I have though is isn't necessarily going to be like what we see right now. What's What I worry about is what we saw when teams started to shift. It's a copycat league. There's going to be a new analytics approach to the way things are happening now. And as as the players and the coaches get into analytics, then the front office will get into the analytics. And then you get this overanalyzed thing. And it, a lot of times it works out. But what you saw, now what they're doing is a product of too much analytics going into things Correct. Like, when it comes to the shift and the bases. And, and what's going to end up happening is you see guys like Scherzer, he's, he, he's going to pitch like, you know, he's going to literally be throwing a pitch every six seconds. And guys that you're going to see certain guys are going to struggle even more batting. Because there's not enough time. It's the intent is to speed up the game. They want more runs. Inherently, think, more runs means more, longer games. It's a tough. I think situation. it's a conversation for like eight years from now because, I yeah. it, 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 it's un it's not
0: unfair for the rookie. Like you Volpe. get this though,
1: you get this It's though, unfair right?
0: for like Stanton and Judge and the you understand. Guys,
1: I mean, you know? it's unfair for everybody that's ever played baseball that hasn't been on a clock. If you think about it in that regard, but um, like. I just don't I don't see how speeding things up when you're trying the, the whole objective to get people to watch baseball is to score more runs. That's this that's like it goes common with football, basketball. When you score more runs in baseball, what happens? The game goes on forever. Gotta, so it's like there's only one way. You gotta juice. You gotta juice again. So it's either more but more I think runs, still but juicing. more runs means a longer game. So you're, yep, you're, but it's a, it's a uh, yeah. Either way you look at it, you want to shorten the game, but then you want more runs. You can't do both simultaneously. So you have to try and do both and be creative with it. And that's what they're doing here. I don't think it's going to work.
0: I think these pitchers are throwing, the bullpen guys are throwing 102. They uh, come in the seventh inning. But if you notice the natural arm way you throw, your shoulder and your elbow and your ligaments can't handle it. So if you notice, everybody's throwing 100 miles an hour, but their careers are like three years long. They they blow out something, and they got the next kid coming in. Uh, I think that's the biggest negative on the game is that the bullpen, the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning is a joke. Like it, there's all kinds of analytics. Bottom line is I don't mind the shot clock. We'll see shot clock. We'll see how it works. Um, you know, uh, it'll be fun to watch this year. So also pick. Pickleball, I'm playing pickleball I'm in a new league, Chris, where I'm being raided and watched. Someone's going to watch me on the court. I think it's creepy. I just want to smack the balls around and have fun. Uh, I played on Sunday night. I thought I played very well. Uh, I'm back, bro. The pickle game is back. And uh, we got Beer League 2 uh, coming out still March 30th. We got a little bit of a legal snafu we got to work through. There's a chance we have to push that back so we get the paper signed and so on and so forth. And um, that's it. But uh, let me get this real quick thing out of the way. Pine Tar Bar and Grill, 121 South Main Street, Fork and River, 609-489-4286. The best sports bar down near the shore. Go check it out. This place is awesome. Chris, I got to get you down here one day. You'll love it. I go talk to my buddy Tommy. He works in there. He owns it. Pine Food is great. TV's all over the place. He knows what he's doing. Hot chicks working there. God bless America. Also, therapy, Lisa Ruane, 201-725-1251. Give her a shout. If you're having some trouble with some mental illness, give her a call. Uh, She's a wonderful person. She'll get you through it. Again, 201-725-1251. Last thing I want to talk about is uh, this Murdog thing. I watched a little bit of the live stuff. Now, you watched the the documentary, Mm -hmm. um, and we, we briefly discussed it before the show, the thing that blows me away about this creep, we were talking about, like if you're innocent, right, and a family member, your wife and kid were murdered, and you're innocent, like Chris, guy like you, how out of your mind are you on the stand? Like you'll answer questions if I say to you, Chris, where were you on the day of of this, that, and the other thing?
1: And I'm I'm answering questions with vehemence, like I'm pissed off that you're even wasting time asking me shitty questions but i'm also answering them understanding like the scope of a legal case but i'm pissed off nonetheless and like yeah yeah like um whatever you got to do ask me whatever you got to ask but yeah i didn't know no matter what i didn't kill my mother and my brother or my son or whatever the hell was going on there but right just overall what's been going on in we'll call it hampton county i want to say it is hampton county south carolina for like the better part of a hundred years Road. Like how many blind eyes were turned while people were getting murdered and disappearing in this one small right. county? You, I wonder how prevalent this is. Like currently, still happening. Where, where it's like certain things go wrong. If that kid never got drunk and uh, you know, like, does anything ever surface the way it did? Uh, I don't know. Right. I, you got to watch the I, documentary. I, I, the thing, it, yeah, I, I didn't watch. So the, I only watched a for...
0: little bit of the trial just to see this guy. Blowing snots out of his Bro, nose because he was crying. The trial,
1: the trial is is like it's a blip on the radar in terms of how crazy this story is. You have to watch this, which you will now. I'm sure.
0: I will. Of course, I gotta watch it now. And uh, I um, so that's a, yeah. I just think if you were if you were if you didn't do something, you'd lose your mind. Um, but I will tell everybody this out there. Don't forget. How can I forget this, Avenel. March 10th and 11th Friday and Saturday night at downtown Avenel Performing Arts Center which is at the old General Dynamics site. Anybody over 50 gets that joke. Go check my show out. We are uh, trying to get tickets sold. Get everybody down there if you're from Colonia or Avenel or Woodbridge High. Go down there and see everybody. It'll be like a family reunion. It'll be a good time. I assure you except for maybe my set. You maybe you'll hate my set. I don't know. Uh, sure. but it's a foot you're going to know everybody in the room um give them hell from Avenel, as my buddy bob sheeha just said and um go down there march 10th and 11th friday and saturday night uh get order your tickets and uh, go there and say hello to me after the show i'll be drinking afterwards and having a good time with everybody i gotta apologize there's an issue with my ca- my camera's good i'm clear as a bell on my end chris is clear as a bell on my end Everybody's telling me it is blurry out on Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube. I don't know why I will be calling the company right now uh, that runs the software. That's two weeks in a row. I look blurry. Of course, most of the people listen on Apple podcast uh, later on this afternoon. Hopefully my, uh, my social media gal, Sydney, will assist me in this. I don't know why. I look good on my end, but I guess on everybody else's end, I look like shit. Uh, I got four posts here saying it I'm might blurry. Be, it it I, might just
1: be your internet, bro.
0: I don't... Well, then, wouldn't it be blurry here through the internet? I guess not. I, I have to find this out. I will check this out and fix it. I assure you the shitty kitchen studios are much better than this, so I apologize for those of you scoring at home. And that's it, Chris. That's our show. Thanks for doing the show, and um, I will... Uh, look, I'll see you next week with a very special
1: guest. All right, we'll see you. All right, buddy, I'll see you. Thank you.
0: Where have you come from? Where have you gone?